The CECC reported 81,852 domestic infections on Thursday, marking a slight drop from the day before. It also reported a new record of 104 COVID-related deaths. This is the first time that the single-day death toll has exceeded 100. Over the past two days, the COVID mortality rate has stood above 1 in 1,000. Let's hear from the CECC. The single-day death toll went up from yesterday's 76 to today's 104. These figures reflect the total case counts we saw after May 18th and 19th. Total cases exceeded 80,000 a day. Over the past two days, the mortality rate has been above 1 in 1,000. Overall, if we stretch out the time frame, the COVID death rate is still at around 5 in 10,000. However, these recent figures are a warning sign that we will continue to monitor. Over the past week, Taiwan's COVID case count has hovered in the range of 60,000 to 80,000 a day. The CECC says this means that the epidemic has plateaued. Experts say that based on current projections, some 40 percent of Taiwan's population will eventually become infected. The CECC reported two COVID-related deaths involving young children on Thursday. One was a four-year-old girl who developed encephalitis and died on May 20th. The other was a one-year-old who died from septic shock seven days after her COVID diagnosis. Officials also announced one critical COVID case involving a young boy with cancer. A four-year-old girl who was able to walk into the hospital suffered full-body convulsions while waiting for medicine. On May 19th, the CECC announced the case of encephalitis in a young child, a four-year-old girl. The child was sent for emergency treatment but died at the hospital on May 20th. On Thursday, the CECC gave more details on her case. We have collated more information on her death. Today, the cause of death was officially determined to be encephalitis arising from COVID. At its Thursday press conference, the CECC announced that two more children had died from COVID. One of them was a four-year-old girl without a history of chronic disease. After infection, she developed a fever and full-body convulsions. She was admitted for treatment and died on May 20th from encephalitis and multiple organ failure. The other death was that of a one-year-old girl with a history of intestinal atresia. On May 16th, she developed symptoms including a fever, spasms and lips with a purplish tinge. She was set for emergency treatment and died from septic shock on May 23rd. So far, there have been 16 children with severe COVID symptoms. Seven developed encephalitis, five developed pneumonia, two developed sepsis, one developed acute respiratory distress syndrome, and one died at home. The CECC also reported a new critical case involving a young child. The case involves an unvaccinated seven-year-old boy with cancer and a history of long-term respirator use. After his diagnosis, he developed pneumonia and acute respiratory distress syndrome and is currently under intensive medical care. On Thursday, the CECC also shared some good news. Out of the seven children who developed COVID-related encephalitis, one was on his way to recovery. This is the case of a one-year-old boy with no history of chronic disease. He was taken off his respirator on May 23rd. 
Dr. Li Bingying says it's hard to prevent encephalitis from developing in COVID-infected children. In a radio interview, he compared the current COVID wave to the 1998 enterovirus outbreak and expressed concern about COVID's long-term effects. Perhaps in some people, the infection reaches the nerves. There are a lot of nerves in the face that connect directly to the brainstem. The virus enters the brainstem directly, posing a big threat to the patient. In patients with severe enterovirus infections, of course, there are a lot of patients who recover well, but there are some children who develop conditions in the nervous and muscular system that persist afterward. Of course, we should do everything we can to prevent that. The CECC urged parents to seek medical help for children with warning COVID symptoms. For children with neurological symptoms, neurological teams will participate in the rehabilitation process to ensure that they get the support they need. You can now use a positive rapid test to get an official COVID diagnosis from a doctor. The policy rolled out to the general public on Thursday after a trial run among select demographics. On the first day of the expanded policy, Physicians reported a surge of bookings from people needing a diagnosis. They also reported a range of technical and logistical difficulties that made each session longer than an in-person consult. The physician checks the rapid test for two lines. Then she tells the patient via video conference that a diagnosis has been made. Starting Thursday, any individual can use a positive rapid test for a COVID diagnosis. All morning, this doctor was kept busy with virtual consults. She ran into her fair share of snags. Precious time is lost as patients collect documents and fill in missing data. When the internet connection is bad, it's all made worse. To complete the session, the doctor has to switch to the phone. She says she now does twice as many virtual consults as before. Each one takes at least 15 minutes, which is more than twice as long as her in-person consults. Even when her waiting room is empty, there are always patients waiting online, keeping her on her toes. I've seen quite a few people who are already in a state of discomfort. They've already tested positive on a rapid test, and they waited until today so that they could do this video conference. I've seen it all. Please, stand farther away from the camera, because I need to see your entire body in the frame. She says many patients received a positive rapid test days ago. To avoid a PCR test, they had waited until Thursday so that they could be diagnosed over video conference. They can also choose to appoint a proxy who takes a rapid test to a doctor for diagnosis. Another option is to travel by car or by foot to the clinic themselves. But doctors don't encourage this approach. If they come here with two lines on a rapid test, we rush to fasten our masks properly. We deal with their issue and then try to get them out. Even when they send an uninfected family member as a proxy, there is a potential risk because that person could still be a carrier. On the first day of the rapid test diagnosis policy, CECC advisor Li Bingying said that a false negative could do more harm than a false positive. Individuals who test negative should still get a PCR test to confirm if they're experiencing COVID symptoms. 
21 cities and counties will extend distant education for at least one more week to June 2nd or beyond. That's every administrative district in Taiwan except New Taipei. The extension applies to all students at the high school level, level and below. Many parents and teachers have reacted with dismay. Some fear that distance learning will affect students' performance on final exams. Others say schools should simply start summer vacation early. Officials says a one-week extension is less disrupted than the alternative, which is bringing students back to classroom only to send them home again due to a COVID outbreak. Taiwan officials are on their way back from Switzerland, where they were promoting Taiwan's inclusion in the World Health Assembly. On the last day of their stay, Deputy Health Minister Li Lifen with the WHA delegates of Taiwan's diplomatic allies. Over in the Swiss capital of Bern, a group of Taiwanese lawmakers paid a visit to the mayor of the city. Because, well, you know, Swiss yeah. chocolate? Each guest gets a bar of Swiss chocolate. The mayor of Bern, Switzerland's capital, welcomed a bipartisan group of Taiwanese lawmakers with a sweet treat. I'm a friend of, uh, of Taiwan because I'm a friend of democracy. I believe a lot in, uh, in democracy. In these days where we uh, live a lot of non-democratic um, experiences in the world, so this should, be, should give us great hope and uh, Taiwan should be a model for the whole world. The mayor said he did not understand why Taiwan had been left out of the World Health Assembly for six straight years. I cannot understand it because uh, we are living in, in, in a period of pandemic and there is no borders for, 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 for the pandemic. And uh, so, so it's kind of difficult to understand uh, how you can say, well, you cannot be a member. I have difficulty to understand uh, how we can uh, exclude a, a country in WHO or WHA. Elsewhere in Switzerland, Taiwan's deputy health minister met with representatives of Taiwan's diplomatic allies. The delegate from Belize said that although Taiwan had once again been excluded from the WHA, Belize's support for Taiwan was strong as ever. I am a friend of Taiwan. Taiwan has been a friend of Belize. Uh, we have diplomatic relations since for 33 years now. I will repeat our position that Belize stands strong and firm behind Taiwan. And we hope that at the next World Health Assembly, Taiwan could be sitting right there in that room with partaking in those discussions. Jokingly, the delegate from Eswatini said she hoped she wouldn't have to quarantine on her next visit to Taiwan. We told her that we are confident that when she comes, there will definitely have been changes to the policy, because in October, the Ministry of Health and Welfare will be organizing the Global Health and Welfare Forum. If we have government officials at the ministry level coming, we will also organize a minister's roundtable to discuss epidemic prevention and other public health issues, including non-communicable diseases. We hope to offer the opportunity for health leaders from every country to discuss these issues. Taiwan officials spoke with delegates from 11 of Taiwan's diplomatic allies in Switzerland. The two that didn't attend the WHA, Palau and the Marshall Islands, showed their support for Taiwan via a pre-recorded video. Taiwan's defense chief has reacted to U.S. President Joe Biden's vow to defend Taiwan militarily. Speaking on Thursday, Defense Minister Cho Guo-jen said Taiwan would welcome support from its allies in the event of a conflict. 
but he said Taiwan's position was that it must help itself before it can expect help from others. Earlier this week, China had reacted to Biden's pledge with anger. The PLA Eastern Theater Command said it recently conducted exercises near Taiwan to warn against Taiwan-U.S. collusion. China's defense ministry spokesman Tan Kefei said that the U.S. was intensifying efforts to play the Taiwan card. Attempting to contain China by way of Taiwan will inevitably lead to a dangerous situation. We will take the necessary actions to safeguard our national sovereignty and territorial integrity. China's actions not only prove it to be a troublemaker, they are also unconducive to regional peace and stability. China has become the greatest facilitator of cooperation between Taiwan and the U.S. In a story published on Tuesday, the New York Times said the U.S. was ramping up efforts to reshape Taiwan's defense capabilities. According to experts in Taipei, Taiwan may be invited to participate in the U.S.-led Rim of the Pacific exercises, which will be held this summer. The Defense Ministry says it has not yet received an invitation, but that it will continue to pursue a role in the drills in order to strengthen Taiwan's combat capabilities. During her fifth visit to Prague, former ambassador-at-large Mei Sing Yang met with vocal pro-Taiwan officials in the country. They included Czech Senate President Milos Vistrichil and Prague Mayor Zinyak Krib. Both Czech politicians voiced support for Taiwan and called for closer bilateral exchanges. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang is in Prague with this exclusive report. There's an appreciation of your support to Taiwan. You know, every Taiwanese people know about you. Czech Senate President Milos Vistachil shakes hands with former ambassador-at-large Mei Xinyang. He thanked her for donating a piano to a concert hall in the Czech Republic and for furthering the Czech-Taiwan friendship. I'm grateful that we had the opportunity to visit Taiwan. It's thanks to it that our relationship is stronger. This is a hug for the people of Taiwan. You gave us more than just a piano. It's been about strengthening the bonds between us. Czech Senate President Milos Vistachov repeated a line that caught headlines during his visit in 2020. I am Taiwanese. The statement had angered China, prompting a Chinese importer to cancel a 7 million NT order for 11 pianos it had placed with a Czech piano maker. Ying purchased one of the instruments and donated it to the Rudolfinum Concert Hall in Prague. People in social media still call me a Taiwanese. I am now also a Ukrainian. Former Ambassador at Large Mei Xin Yang came to the Prague City Hall to meet Prague Mayor to discuss ways that Taiwan and Czech can further their relations. Prague Mayor Zenia Kerb made time in his packed schedule to meet with Yang and Ke Liang Rei, the director of the Taipei Economic and Cultural Office in Prague. The mayor told them that he had recently spoken about his experiences living in Taiwan at a press conference. 
Today, uh, the opening uh, press conference for the Prague Spring Festival, it's the 77th year, and uh, I have to say, I mentioned uh, a story that happened to me when I was in Taiwan in 2005. Prib said he was very optimistic about future exchanges between Taiwan and the Czech Republic, especially in music, technology, education, and the circular economy. He added that Taiwan's tech industry was very advanced. He expressed hope that the Industrial Technology Research Institute would open an office in the Czech Republic. It would be great if we could have the branch of the Technology Institute that we visited in Taiwan. Itri. Itri, yes, yes, yes. That would be great because there is going to be the branch of uh, some Taiwanese banks. The mayor of Prague and the Czech Senate speaker brought a delegation of more than 80 people to Taiwan. Back then, the speaker said, I am a Taiwanese at the Legislative Yuan, and the mayor said, I am a Taipei citizen. We were very moved. They have a very similar history to us. I felt that from the very beginning. This is Yang's fifth time visiting the Czech Republic. During her meetings with local officials, both sides voiced hope for a stronger friendship between Taiwan and the Czech Republic. FTV News, Stephanie Yang and Huang Ritun in the Czech Republic. For fans of the humble mushroom, we've got a real treat in store. Tucked away in the mountains of Miaoli lies a cafe with a very special mushroom-based menu. The deep-fried mushroom with coffee is this establishment's unique specialty. It also makes a vegan sashimi set from ice mushroom. And those more interested in botany can take a peek at how the shrooms are grown and cultivated. This garden cafe is a bower among the woods. Many customers order a cup of coffee and a plate of deep-fried mushrooms. Mushrooms are coated in a batter flecked with green onion and carrot then fried until golden brown. The crispy batter protects the juicy mushrooms inside, making a surprisingly perfect accompaniment to a cup of good black coffee. We've always grown lots of mushrooms, and they're grown on logs. Customers love them, so we started frying them and serving them with coffee. It's a fantastic pairing. The mushrooms have a lovely, fresh aroma, while the coffee is a little bitter, so they really go well together. It's a pairing you might not think of for yourself, but these crowds of customers seem convinced. Another specialty here is the mushroom sashimi. They're sliced carefully, flash-boiled, and presented on ice cubes with wasabi. It's a vegan sashimi like no other. A customer asked me what other special dishes I could concoct. I thought, okay, I can also do mushroom abalone. We rinse them in ice water. The texture is like abalone, crunchier and chewier. Mr. Yu has been growing his own mushrooms here in the mountains of Nanjuang for more than 40 years. He never has got to get mushrooms in from outside. First, he cuts down logs of Chinese linden tree, 130 centimetres long, then drills tiny holes in them and plants the mycelium inside. The mushrooms grow out of those holes. The logs themselves must be chosen with the utmost care. We usually call this wood Castanopsis fargesi. We cultivate seedlings for the farmers to plant into forests. After 20 years, we buy them back off the farmers, chop them down and use them to grow mushrooms. So they go through this selection process. For lovers of the mushroom, this is a must visit. From planting and growing the shrooms to preparing them and serving them, 
Every detail is given exquisite attention. But if you just want to enjoy a cup of coffee and a good fried snack, you're equally welcome. Now turning to the weather, the sun made a brief appearance over northern Taiwan Thursday morning after a night of heavy downpours, but umbrellas were back out by the afternoon. The Central Weather Bureau says that the wet weather will persist until at least Friday. Over the weekend, afternoon thunderstorms are forecast for the northeast, while other areas should see clear to cloudy skies. And no matter where you are, you can expect more heavy rain to return next Tuesday. Sunshine peaks out from behind the clouds. On Thursday morning, blue skies were spotted over Taipei. It was a stark contrast from the downpours the night before, which caused flooding in some areas. But although the rains eased briefly, forecasters say that a plum rain front is still lingering near the island. The southwesterly winds will pick up starting tonight. That, in combination with the overall conditions, is likely to bring more pronounced rainfall in central and southern Taiwan from tonight to tomorrow. The rainfall will be from thunderstorm cells that gradually move in. Between Wednesday and 10 a.m. on Thursday, rain accumulation was greatest in Taipei and New Taipei. The Central Weather Bureau says the plum rain front will move north on Friday, leaving drier conditions behind from Saturday to Monday. In the early morning of Saturday, there will still be some precipitation in central and southern Taiwan. We'll gradually see afternoon thunderstorms in mountainous areas and in the northeast plains. In other areas, the weather will turn fair in the morning. These conditions will persist until next Tuesday, when we'll need to watch out for changes brought by another front. Over the past two days, rainfall has brought temperatures down to lows of 22 degrees and highs of 26 degrees nationwide. As the rains ease over the weekend, highs could climb to 30 degrees in northern Taiwan and 33 in the south. It'll be a week of big temperature swings, so keep an eye on the forecast before heading out.